0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome into footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, to discuss any of the stuff going on in the sports world. The first hour, the 9 o'clock hour, is the time to do it. So don't tarry. That's a great word, tarry. I like that word. But um, don't lollygag, in other words. That's another great word, lollygag. You know, soldier, I've noticed you're always last. Pacing myself, sir. All right, so... um, you don't know, don't don't pace yourself too much today if you would like to get in. And, again, there's lots to figure out. I, I, I'm i going to try. I got to tell you. I'm going to try not to. The NBA is too depressing. What, you know, I've been kind of thinking that it's not going to end well for me. And so I don't know that I, I don't, you know, Towards the end of the regular season, I was like, you know, I don't really follow the NBA all that much, really, much at all during the regular season, just here and there. But I think it could be a very interesting postseason, very exciting, very compelling postseason. Well, the first round was, and since then, it's been awful. I mean, awful. And so... Um in the in the way it's looking now, ew, the Celtics and the Warriors. I, I, I don't I don't think I'm gonna watch a second of the NBA finals. I just I've kind of knew you know, I kept hoping against hope that the Heat were better than I thought they were. I guess you could say, I guess last night a 13-point win is kind of like by the NBA standards these days, that's a close game, 13 points. So I guess kind of sort of maybe it was a close game. At least it was like close late in the third. So, it, you know, Pawball, uh, you know, look, if you want to talk about the NBA, certainly feel free, but it's just, it's a, it's heading in a very disgusting um, direction for me, and so I, it, you know, I'm trying not to think about it. Got too much other good stuff going on in the world of sports these days from my perspective to be talking about the NBA. But, again, uh, if you have any comments, certainly feel free to do that. Uh, great victory last night for the Astros. I, um, Any win you get is good. But when you're not hitting, and again they they had one good game at home in this series, and and they just have a they've had very few good games offensively at Minute May Park this season, and hopefully uh, that will change at some point. It will need to. They're not always going to pitch well at home, so that that's something. But one of the things that that is so good about this series and not that I, ha- I I love Blum but one of the things that was so good about this series is Jeff Bagwell was doing the color commentary and is he a professional no of course he's not a professional broadcaster but he's funny to me and he gives good insight because he 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 really appreciates the um you know, to find a point of the game, he has strong opinions about certain things that I think is good to hear. And the the other thing that makes it is he's not just some former player who um, is you know making this token little appearance because they need someone to fill in. Like he watches the team. Like, he's a big fan of the Astros. He's not just this Hall of Fame player who used to play for the Astros. Oh, you want to come do this? Oh, yeah, I'll go do it. I mean, he watches them. He knows the players inside and out. He He's a big fan of the team. He watches it like, you know, fans like me do. And he's really into it. And so, and he's a big fan of these players. So, uh, no, I I think I, I love when they when Bagwell's on there, just because he's um, and you know it's funny because and I don't have anything against Craig Bischio at all, but as a player I always thought I mean I always thought Bagwell was the best player I still think Bagwell's the best player in in franchise history but but he i i always thought that if i got to know him better i wouldn't like him as much as i did but the more you kind of get to to know him a little bit by him being on the air and just talking i th- i like him better than than i thought that i would i don't know he maybe i had some misperceptions about him who knows but it 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 just uh i don't know he just seems i really enjoy when he's on there so that adds to to the spice of it, and I love when he tries to kind of guess what's going to happen. And sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. And he's so he hates talking about himself and how he was good, or you know, he 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 he, he handles that very well as well. And he's funny about that, so I, I really like um, when Bagwell's on. So that that part was even that made this series even better. Even though, again. It, Besides the one game when Icky hit his first home run, three run bomb at home all season, it was again more mediocrity on offense. And the good part about that is it kind of reminds you of 2017 when they won it all. They they were not very good on offense that year, and um, that this is th- there's a lot of similarities between that team and this team on paper through, um, you know, the first two months of the season. By the way, it hit me right before the show and got some strange looks from Raymond and Hannah on it, but June is a week from yesterday, is June. That's less than a week away. So less than a week away First of all, June June 1st is one of my brothers, my brother Jason. It'll, it'll be his birthday, and a big one, and a big one. He'll turn 50. So um, my other brother, one of my other brothers, a couple years older than him, turned 50 a couple years ago. I turned 50 about four years before that. <laughs> Getting old, man. I'm man, am I old, but anyway. Uh, Jason, my brother Jason, will turn 50 on, on next Wednesday, but but also on next Wednesday, remember. And I thought about changing it, but I'm not gonna. Also, next June the 1st is traditionally the first day that we look at the major league standings, and 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 the point of that has always been. There's so many games. People who look at the standings, it, it's just few. It, 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 some of it is because it it, it it makes a point for these games count, but don't get ca- – it it, it it doesn't even mean that it matters where you are on June 1st because it doesn't really matter that much. But it's the first – at least you've played two months. Now, I know this year we've played a week less than two months. I get that because of the lockout and – in delaying the first two and canceling the first two games uh, series of the season. But still, June the 1st is all, it's the first time that we've looked at the standings where we can kind of see, you know what, maybe this team is a little surprising and, uh, you know what, maybe this team, what in the world's going on with them? But it's still so early. Look, if you're 10 back right now, it's not that big of a deal. Now, you got issues that you have to address, but – People look at that, it's nothing. Multiple teams overcome 10, 10 game deficits every year from June to, to September. It's nothing. That's why I was astonished when I heard a longtime supposedly savvy baseball guy like Mad Dog Russo on MLB Network the other day say the Mets got the Mets got it made. What do they have to worry about? They're, they got a seven-game lead in May. A seven-game lead in mid-May is nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> now that doesn't mean if you're up seven you can't win. But if you're down seven, don't mean you can't win either. It, it, it's so many, so much is gonna happen. Between mid to late May and the end of September, you know how long that is from now? This ain't college baseball. I I just, I don't understand it. But anyway, a week from yesterday will be our first look at the major league standings. We'll look at, kind of review maybe what we thought about some of these teams at the beginning and who were the surprising ones and. How are things going? And and also reminding, it's it's June the first, but it's just June the first. I mean, it's just so much can happen. You know, the famous—I don't remember the date—but the infamous in two thousand five, when the Astros got off to that just awful start. I think they were seventeen and thirty. The the Astros, by the way, yesterday—I think I'm correct on that. The Astros got away. By the way, last night moved to 13 games over 500 for the first time all season. So it's the most games over 500 they've been this year. Well, and it was after June the 1st. It was sometime around the second or third week of June they were they were they, they were I think that's correct, somewhere in early June, they were like 17 and 30, and the Houston Chronicle infamously ran this edition where they put a like a, a grave and, and basically buried the Astros on the pro- after they got just absolutely crushed in Atlanta on a three game series, they put a uh, a thing in the paper, like a gravestone and it was like the, to bury the Astros for that season. Well, the Astros went to the world series for the first time ever that year. <laughs> and so it just goes to show you it's so silly. It, 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 it you gotta remember, it's it's hundred and sixty-two games. But anyway, we will um, we look forward, always look forward to June first and being able to look at the standings for the first time and uh, kind of start giving a very early evaluation of what what it looks like, where it looks like teams are. Way too early to to get too excited, and way too early to th- throw away the season. Still, but it is um, it's the first step. All right, so we've got the Astro. They don't they don't play today. They get a day. Of, they get a lot. They get like three straight Thursday offs. It's kind of strange, in a in a year where you 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 play like twenty out of twenty one days fairly often, and they're embarking on their first, on their third, three city trip of the season, and it's not June yet. That's next Wednesday, by the way, if we haven't established that yet. A week from yesterday is June the 1st. And, uh, and, the, and the Astros, for the third time already this season, in a, short, in a season that started late, are embarking on their third three-city trip. Kind of peculiar. We'll be talking about that and much more in about an hour um, with Patrick. So let's do this. We'll take a timeout, come back. Get on a um Saint subject. I saw a picture yesterday that was just very strange to me. I'll tell you why. When we come back after this timeout, on the game, 1037 Lafayette 1041, Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? <laughs> then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to... Footnotes Kevin Foote on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Again, the game hotline is 706 0111. 706 0111. Want to remind you if you would like to win Astro getaway number two on Saturday, June the 18th, Astros will be playing the White Sox. At Minute Maid Park, and you could win four tickets to that game as well as a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening. The way to get eligible to win this great prize, which is powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, in the game, is to go to the website. Register for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Today And you might win Astro weekend getaway Saturday, June the 18th. That'll be 17 days after a week from yesterday, which is June the 1st. um, Against the Chicago White Sox. The team the Astros defeated in the ALDS uh, last season. So. Let's uh, before I get to the, sh- the picture that I saw that I had to give a strange look to yesterday and explain what all that's about. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
2: Morning, Floyd. How you doing? It's Martin.
1: How are you, sir?
2: Well, I mean, my socks lost last night, but like you said, we had to pay the pipe after scoring all them runs oh, the night before, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, when you score 18 runs, you never want to do that. You know, uh, thank you for reminding me to make that point just to illustrate to the people who don't understand. They didn't, they didn't, it wasn't the pitchers that you faced that got you out, the game, the piper got you out yesterday.
2: Right, right. right. Uh, and I, I got to agree with you with what you just t- touched on. You know, it's still early in the season. Uh, heck, maybe my uh, my Red Sox can maybe still make the playoffs if we get our pitching situation under control. Cause our, I mean, we can hit the cover off the ball, oh, you know.
1: Can you hit? Uh,
2: oh man,
1: yes, of course if, you can still no, make the playoffs. That's if we of don't make a
2: stupid trade at the trade deadline, you know, I don't know if we're gonna ever get rid of Bogarts or not.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I would just ride that out. Um, I, you know, obviously, you've got to get some level of pitching to improve down the stretch if you're going to make a run. But but your offense is so good, you should be able to, to make a run. And, and you just have to hope. And health also plays into that, obviously. So. Right,
2: right. I also, also wanted to tell you you did a good job with the interview with, uh, with uh, Katie and the high uh, football coach, uh, Matt McCullough. The other day, I like when you have him on the show. My brother-in-law is a coach on the coaching staff. Oh, okay. He coaches. Yeah, he coaches. the off, I want to say the offensive line and linebacker, Jordan Romero. Oh, okay. I don't know if that name rings
1: Oh, I know him. But, yes. Uh, uh,
2: but, yeah, man, I like when you have uh, Matt McCulloch on the on the show, man. A good interview, man. But
3: uh, that's all I had
2: to say. Um, but, yeah, we had to pay the piper, so hopefully we can get back oh, on yeah. track today, you know.
1: Chalk that up as one of your 54 losses you got before the season and move on.
2: Yes, sir. And remember, positive thoughts, foot. Have a good one, bud. Okay, take care. Go Red Sox.
1: All right. All right, yesterday, I don't know who it was. Somebody put it out, probably the Saints did or whatever. A picture of Tyron Matthew at one of these voluntary OTAs or Whatever they're calling him now. And he wore number thirty two for the Chiefs, so he's wearing number thirty two for the for the Saints. And thirty-two, and when I looked at it, it just looks so strange to me. Because you know I'm a big Jersey number guy. Thirty-two is arguably considering how good of a number it is, it's Now, there's probably a couple numbers like 71 or so. I'm just throwing out a number, like in one of these high numbers. But those are not, like, great numbers. Like, 32 is like a prime jersey number in in, in football history. It's pound for pound. It's the worst jersey number in Saints history. Because of how – because of what its potential is – and what it's produced. Um, like 71, I'm just, I'm thinking Richard Cooper. Like that. 71 is one of the worst numbers. But again, 71 is just not a good number. Like there's probably teams all over the league that have had very few good 71s. But 32 is a great, I mean, the juice, Jim Brown, Marcus Allen. I mean, 32 is a great number but not for the saints. It's just awful. Jabari Greer, who some people thought was the difference and who was a very good player, um, and began this like in a, this NFC AFC ESPN division exodus of free agents to to um or good ones to to New Orleans. The difference unfortunately became a serial killer. But I mean a serial rapist, but the but, but Jabari Greer wasn't the difference, but he was a good player. He he wore 32, but it was only for one year. Maybe he got wind of the fact that 32 is such a awful number in in saint history that he moved to 33 for the last what two or three years however long he was in New Orleans after that. Um so I'm, I'm not going to – I mean, I guess you could technically count Jabrari Greer even though he only wore it one year and moved to another number. Kenny Vaccaro had a couple good years. Kind of a surprise pick when the, when the Saints picked him in the first round. But he had a couple good years. And so he's probably the best – had the best career or stint in New Orleans of any player that ever wore 32 because the rest of them – It's pretty much a bunch of nobodies. I mean, every time I think of 32 of the Saints, for whatever reason, Paul Frazier comes to mind. Don't ask me why. He was a backup running back in the Saints in 1989. Um, Vaughn Dunbar, first-round bust running back. They picked that cat. He got hurt in the preseason game at Camp Randall his first year. Oh, Vaughn Dunbar awful. I remember they picked him. I'm like, why are they picking this guy? He's slow. And he's not even that big. That was a bad pick. I still don't know why they picked Vaughn Dunbar in the first round. Um, Aaron Craver. I wonder if the Saints, are. I, I've always thought this. Aaron Craver was a fullback in the Ditka years. we number 32. I've always thought it was funny because the Saints, I wonder I wonder if they're the only franchise in the NFL to do this. They The Saints have two fullbacks who return kickoffs for touchdowns. I wonder how many fullbacks have returned kickoffs for touchdowns ever in the NFL history. I have no idea the answer to that question. It's just some things like that that I wonder about sometimes. This cat was a fullback who returned a kickoff for a touchdown. Bobby Morse, backup fullback, once returned to kickoff for a touchdown, I believe it was at Detroit. And Aaron Craver did it. Aaron Craver was in New Orleans for two years, and, you know, he was <coughs> – he's an okay player, but he it's not like he was really good. Gerald Moore, running back for a year, not real good. Had a couple moments. I uh, once upon a time thought Johnny Patrick was going to be okay. got drafted, defensive back out of Louisville. Great name, but he was terrible. The one, the most interesting guy is before my time, and I know nothing about him other than his name, Tom Barrington, or number 32, rushed for 530 yards and three touchdowns before he he played in 66, I mean 67, 68, 69, and 70. I started watching the Saints where I remember any of the games, probably in about 72 when I was six. Maybe one or two games from 71, but I don't know that I remember any of those. (coughs) So, he was before my time. So, I mean, if he does anything at all, Tyron Matthew, and he better. um, He, um... He will easily be the best <laughs> 32 in St. History. Again, he's taken on a number that I don't really believe in jinxes and superstition and all that silliness, but he's taken on a number that has been very unsuccessful. I believe, pound for pound, the worst jersey number because of its potential and what they've gotten out of it in St. History. It's the worst jersey number in Saints History number 32, and um, and that's what he's got. I mean, I understand why he just had 30. He came, he wore 32 with the Chiefs, but I'm just saying it's a little iffy. Kind of make hmm, maybe he should have chosen a different number, What hopefully he can, um. when anybody does that number, jersey number thing in the future, he can be the runaway winner of the best player to ever wear 32. For the Saints, let's hope so. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
3: Morning, Foot. How's it going? Good morning. (laughs) Glorious morning.
0: Oh, it is.
3: Foot, he was talking about what's good word. I got two good words, everything evolves around. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Winning. Yankees winning. Now, I'm. They have this guy that I like to call the show. He called a few minutes ago. He ain't boasting and bragging. His little ugly starters got stumped on. And well, talking about understand the
1: piper must be paid. So I mean, they <laughs> had a little that's too much fun. Though. Oh no, the piper. That's not the piper. No, no, they they it is. It, it is. When you
3: they score eighteen like runs,
1: when you score eighteen runs, you don't ever want to score eighteen runs. That's a, that's a bad hey, idea.
3: Bad. That's because you see, they want to be the Yankees. They can't be the Yankees. No. They trash. That's what it is. For, you see. We, he was talking about the Oreos beating us. I think we got the most wins out of that last series. Now, I told you, they're going to win no more than two games on them stuff. No more. They might win one if they're lucky enough. But, I mean, let's talk about these Yankees. They have 27 championships, the most out of any sports team. We're about to get 28. You see what we're doing? Judge playing like MVP. I mean, man, it is marvelous. You know, this is a glorious time to be a Yankees fan. So I just want to invite everyone to jump on the bandwagon while we can. Even you, Miss Anna, even though with brainwashed. I'm trying to save. You. <laughs> so I just want to share the love and joy of Yankee Joe. I need Brother Love to help me. He need to call it and, and, and share it with me. So I, y'all have a good one. All me. right, Go take Yankee. care.
1: Take care. I don't. I don't think Brother Love likes the, pulls for the Yankees. No, I don't believe that. I don't. I don't. I don't remember having a lot of discussions in the past with Brother Love about the Yankees, but I don't. I know he's an Astro fan. I don't know how much he dislikes the Yankees, but I don't think he's a Yankee fan. So I, I don't think you're going to have much luck with that. Right now, I just hope that. Um, again, well, I, I don't even know what the Yankees are right now. On a week from yesterday, on June the 1st, I'll look and see what their record is, and see where they are for the first time, and then we'll 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 start that conversation. It's way too early to even utter the words World Series. Really, I mean, it's just it matters because it just determines how much you have to hold off or how much work you got to do to make up. So all games matter because it determines how you have to play the rest of the season, but it really does not matter where you are on June 1st. I mean, unless you're like, you know, 20 games back or something because you 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 you're going to be one of the worst teams in major league history. It there's it, it, so much that can still go long. Uh-oh, Brother Love I'm being told has very little love for the Yankees. So Brother Love is uh Brother Love is not a good candidate. For I'm just I don't think Brother Love is going to help you out, Paul. Oh, that's funny. All right. Let's do this. We'll take a timeout. But speaking of Saints, we saw we saw number 32. Tyron Matthew in a Saints jersey. It was funny looking because 32 is the worst number in, in Saints history, and hopefully he improves it. But again, Michael Thomas, I don't know what he's doing. Plastic Man is actually there. Um, Jameis Winston. By the way, I nicknamed Jameis Winston T. Martin, and that kind of fell by the wayside. We might have to bring that back. I have to make that decision. But um, he's participating, and so I haven't heard. I uh, heard uh, Les tell Raymond he, no no words yet on whether Z 28s going to do any speaking or not. But again, what I'm saying is is you know things are moving, progressing along. Maybe after this they'll say, you know what, we need to get a veteran running back. That 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 Cat in Lafayette has been telling us that for over a year. We need a veteran running back. So maybe they'll get one after camp. We'll see. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back and continue to enjoy this day off for the Astros coming off a 5-2 homestand. Get you caught up. There's not much to get you caught up with, but still get you caught up on what's going on in the college baseball scenes. Next, on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana, Sports Station.
0: Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Old Tucktail. Tucktail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes.
1: Come back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline 706 0111. 706 0111. Want to remind you if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Recharge Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Like most of our prizes, you need to go to the website at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Join the game clubhouse. You might win a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville where you could get some of the best bald crawfish, bald shrimp, bald crabs, fried seafood, grilled seafood, pole boys, and of course, a seafood buffet. So hopefully you'll take advantage of that by going to the game club clubhouse today 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com all right college baseball you know when we interviewed Koki Riley yesterday on Wednesday which is a day before a week before June the 1st arrives uh that was yesterday we um i i said i, I think now, again, I don't think financially. I think from a sports perspective. So I get that. And that's why I, um, you know, I don't run leagues, I guess. But um, I think from a baseball perspective, the SEC should do a single elimination every year. And yet, you know, Raymond was giving them a hard time for not, you know, for dragging their feet and continuing to kick their can into a hurricane wind in rain, uh trying to get this double elimination tournament in. And we'll see if, they, if they're successful. It doesn't seem like it's hard to figure out a way that it's going to work out, but maybe, maybe their stubbornness would pay off. I, although I don't really see how it's going to happen. But anyway, the, um, if you if – you, just to get keep, get you caught up, Kentucky beat Auburn, seeming like a long time ago, 3-1, to one. and so that means they're going to play LSU. Well, LSU was supposed to play, you know, Tuesday night, and they were supposed to play Wednesday morning, and now they're supposed to play today. And most people are thinking that ain't happening because the weather report in Hoover is, what, 90 – I think y'all said 90% chance of rain and wind up to 40-something miles an hour. So – it's not good. Are they going to be able to get one game in tonight? I don't know. Two? I, I can't imagine. I don't. I don't know that they'll get any games in. If they get one in, they're probably lucky. If they get two in, it, you know, it's probably a minor miracle. But we'll see. We'll wait and see how that how that works out. The Sun Belt, however, made the decision. Seemed like it was late afternoon yesterday. I don't know exactly what time. Look, we're we're just going to pump. You know, sometimes you got to punt. Um, don't field it as often as you think you should, in my opinion. But sometimes you got to punt. So they made the decision to go to a single elimination tournament. We're going to speak with, do our weekly conversation with Craig Malanson about Cajun baseball at 9.35. Tomorrow is the scheduled time for him. And... See what he thinks of this. But I kind of think it favors the Cajuns. Now, that that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win. I just think a team that can really hit, which the Cajuns can, and a team that's got pretty good starting pitching, which the Cajuns do, but the question mark is the depth of the bullpen. Well, if you play a single elimination tournament, obviously you got to win because if you lose, it's over. I get that. But might mean that they have enough pitching to do it. If they can, especially if you can win that first game. So, again, it's not going to be easy. They're going to be playing a South Alabama team that's a defending champion. And a South Alabama team that probably going to be pitching Boswell who had a complete game performance in a win over the, Gave up four hits and a win over the Cajuns. And Lafayette, the one game that South Alabama won in that series. So is it going to be easy? Of course not. It's not going to be easy. The 4-5 game is rarely easy. But uh, especially in this case because you're playing an old rival who's used to winning and who likes to win and who knows how to win. So, But anyway, the way it plays out is at 9 a.m. tomorrow, Troy the 6th seed, and the weather should be good tomorrow. It's, that's every expectation is that it's going to be good. Uh, the the six, At 9 a.m., the 6-seed Troy will play the 3-seed Coastal Carolina. At about 12.30, that, the 9-seed App will play 2-seed Georgia Southern. The Cajuns are scheduled to play at 4. That's the 4-seed Cajuns against the 5-seed South Alabama. And then in the 7.30 game, the 10-seed ULM will face the 1-seed Texas State. So it's interesting to me that the, the two teams that won the play-in game earlier this week were the 9-seed and the... 10 seed. So the two lower seeds have won the two games that have been played so far. And do they have a chance of beating the one or two seed? Um, probably a, a relatively small chance, but a, but a chance nonetheless. And then the two semifinal games are scheduled for three. Uh, the first two games, with the winner of those games will play in a semifinal game at 3 o'clock. The, the winner of the Cajuns game against South Alabama and the ULM-Texas State game will play in a semifinal game at 7. So if the Cajuns win, they will play at 7 on Saturday, and the finals are scheduled for 1 o'clock on Sunday. So that's kind of where the Sun, Belt, um, the Sun Belt tournament stands, and... I think it was probably a smart thing. Just do it, and if you're if you're in the Sun Belt, what are you hoping for? You know, you probably feel like Texas State is in. You probably feel like Georgia Southern, who's had an RPI in the top ten for most of the season, is in. So if you're the Sun Belt, and they would never say this, I'm just saying, or if you're not even just the Sun Belt officials, but a fan of the Sun Belt, other than, you know, if you're a fan of Texas State, you want them to win, blah, blah, blah. But if you're just in terms of what's best for the Sun Belt, I don't know, is Coastal already in? I I don't know that Coastal's already in. Maybe they are. If they are, then you probably want the Cajuns to win or one of these other teams to get in. Uh, like a South Alabama, although does anybody like that? I don't know. I guess I guess enough people do. But anyway, um, I, I I what I'm saying is I think the best case scenario for the Sun Belt is that someone other than Georgia Southern or Texas State win because that will probably increase your chances of getting three teams in. Now, it's possible that Coastal's already in. Because they've played very well of late, uh, and so it would be better if someone other than Coastal get in. But I don't know that. I don't know that Coastal is already in. So um, I would think if I'm a fan of the Sun Belt, I would want someone other than the top two seeds to get in, because that way the Sun Belt could get three or four teams in, which would be which would be nice. All right. Before we take our final time out of this hour, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello.
2: Hey, foot, I was trying not to call back twice today, but, man, Paul Paul called in just a while ago, and I got to set him straight. So, uh, you know, them Yankees fans, they like a bad rash. You can't get rid of them, you
1: know? Right, right.
2: Uh, uh, So, I believe in the mantra, what have you done for me lately? Okay, he can say that the Yankees got 27 World Series championships, blah, 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 blah. But they ain't done nothing lately, you know what I'm saying? Like I tell them. As long as the Astros are there, they ain't got no chance. Or as long as the Red Sox are there, they ain't got no chance. And they're gonna fall. I hate to see his face when they, they when they they make the playoffs and they let it they let them down again. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, they are a, a long way from the playoffs, I, I, right? You know, we we're not even exactly. in June yet. That's next week. Just Wednesday. like
2: we go back, we go back to that 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 subject you were talking. It's still really oh, early. You it's, know, it's really a lot early. Of teams may, have come back from you know last plates and 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 all that you know, but but like I said, they they the Yankees fan, they they so starving for fans. you got to do some. They got to recruit their fan. We don't hear Red Sox fans <laughs> saying, "Oh, come join all us." Right. You know how I me? Mean, I, I I was trying to behave today. All right. A fan. I had to. I had to. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. But have a good one. Sports. Okay. You, you too. Have a, have a good day.
1: You too. <laughs> oh boy, it's gonna be interesting summer with those two. All right. Take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour on this, I'm going to say glorious Thursday. Astros win. Astros win. So that's good. We'll take a timeout and be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 26, 2013. Tony Canan becomes the fourth Brazilian to win the Indianapolis 500. It's the fastest Indy 500 win in history, with Canon's average speed 187.433 miles per hour. The record stands until 2021. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Live at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Wanna remind you if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, like all the other great prizes. We discussed you simply need to go to the website, join the, the game clubhouse today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You could win a $50 gift certificate to have Shell Oyster House, especially for the summertime. That would be a great treat. So do yourself a favor, put yourself in position to win by going to the website and join the game clubhouse today. All right, so we will... Um we've talked a little bit about the NBA. It's too depressing for me to talk much about. I mean, the Heat, I thought were not good enough to do it, and it looks like unfortunately I'm gonna be right. You know, sometimes you think things and say things and you really hope you're wrong. And then sometimes you say things and you really hope you're right. And my gut feeling was the heat just wasn't good enough. They just don't have enough guys that can score in pressure situations and that. Certainly got proven to be correct and they're not good enough. And they've actually won probably one more game than I thought they were gonna win. Um hopefully they shock me and win game six, but I have zero expectations that's gonna happen. So it's kinda kind of depressing to talk about. The NBA and right now the draft looks more interesting than me than the NBA finals. <laughs> that's kind of depressing. Uh, but it's been a overall, it's been an awful NBA playoff, and I I it really surprised me because I thought it was going to be good, but it's turned out to be awful. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on this Thursday. We'll be back on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back to footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, the game hotline, 706-0111. 706-0111. This is the last segment, if you would like to get in, that you could. Uh, In the next segment, we'll be talking Astros in our weekly conversation with... Patrick McClellan. And then at 1035, we're going to shift back gears back to high school football. The spring football over the last week or so concluded the spring season. Some people just did inter-squad. Some people played another team. And uh, we have we interviewed Coach Dane Chaponche from Turlings yesterday and Coach Matt McCullough from Acadiana High on Wednesday. Today we're going to be speaking with St. Thomas Moore offensive Coordinator Shane Savoy as the Cougars kind of will a little bit of a transition season after obviously having an historically elite quarterback leave to go to college, Uh, and so we'll be talking Cougar football uh, starting at about ten thirty-five, and of course you can hear all the games for St. Thomas Moore's football season in the fall right here on. The game one zero three seven Lafayette. All right. Um, as we move on, uh, on on this Thursday, you know, yesterday, I'm sure I wasn't alone trying to work and somewhat follow the news coming out of. New Ball Day, Texas, and you know, obviously, it, it was just awful. I mean, everybody's trying to figure out why did this happen, what is what what was going on, and we got a, obviously a lot more updates yesterday from, than we knew the day before. And one of the things that I just didn't remember this that a story that I read yesterday is that Brooks Rayleigh who pitched for the Astros the last couple of years and who I kind of jokingly nicknamed Ball Up because it seemed like his first pit, first pitch every time was always a Ball Up. Um, and who's now a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. That was his hometown. and And it was interesting to read his comments. You know, he went to that school as a kid. And, you know, as he said, walk those halls and his, I think he said his brother and sister-in-law or his sister and brother-in-law. Anyway, he has family in there and nieces and nephews that still live in that town. So, obviously, it was very personal for him and uh, just just awful. I mean, just crushing and heartbreaking to to read everything. and, And, you know, there's obviously... It sparks debates on both sides of all the different issues that go into a tragedy like that. It's just, it's um, it's tough. You, you again, as I said yesterday, uh, as a very, as a young child, um, experienced some version of that in my in sports was the way I dealt with it, and it's kind of led to everything. That's the huge role that sports has played in my life all these years later so I get both sides of that um but it's just it's just rough It's rough to um to to see it, it it certainly gives you some perspective and appreciation if you're not part of that but it was um It's rough to follow. But, no, I I had forgotten. I mean, I guess I knew it in the deep, dark recesses of my mind because I certainly have seen him pitch for the Astros and they said where he's from, and I just never made the connection until I read the story yesterday that Brooks Raley was actually from there and went to that school. So just um, I guess all you can do is continue to pray for those who are left and trying to figure out all that out and anybody who has any input on how that could be the um likelihood of that happening again could be diminished or reduced would be um, tremendous for sure all right again this is the last segment that you could call in on the game hotline that number is 706-0111, 706-0111. as we um Look forward to again getting into the summertime. Um, we still got a lot of college uh, baseball to to go. The softball regionals who, which we don't have. I mean, super regionals are this weekend, which we don't have as much interest in. To be fair, to be honest, because McNeese got eliminated made it to the regional finals, but got eliminated. LSU didn't even make it to the regional finals and got eliminated. And the Cajuns made it to the regional finals and got eliminated. So while there are some college softball fans out there, and you can certainly understand why with all the success in college softball that we've had in this area uh, over the last couple decades. But, you know, it's kind of – I think there's some interesting super regionals, but we are probably just, and we talked a little bit about it earlier this week. Um, but, the, we, you know, I don't know how many people are going to be watching, but it, it will be interesting to follow how these teams do, particularly, you know, like Texas and Arkansas, and seeing what, you know, I can't even imagine how exciting it is for like Mississippi State's program. Right now you go to Florida State and you win, and then you get to play. Well, I don't know if you get to play Arizona, but you play an Arizona team that wasn't a number one seed. And so if you're a two seed and you win your regional and you get to play another two seed, seems like you got to feel like, man, we got a very realistic chance. This isn't like a far-fetched chance at all. We can win. We can get to Oklahoma City. So it'll be um, interesting to see how many of those teams of the five teams that were non that that went on the road in regionals and won. How many of them can advance to Oklahoma City? So we'll keep kind of an eye on that as well as an eye on the NBA playoffs. Although that eye might, for me, might be covered. Now I'm sure there's plenty of you who like what's going on in the NBA playoffs right now. I'm just don't happen to be one of them. And then um, also, obviously, uh, Major League Baseball, and we'll be talking. Astros more specifically in the next segment, but um, as the Astros begin, more late night, where it's not a nine-city West Coast trip, but it's, um, you know, two of the three stops are going to be on the West Coast, and the other stop is going to be in, in Kansas City, you know, Kansas City, that 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 area that's just so far to the Atlantic that they can't possibly be with the West teams you know the um the the Houston and Arlington are just so much more west than Kansas City and St Louis that you know they have to be with the West and do all this west coast jump and junk and, and keep old fat people like me up till past midnight over and over and over again instead of other people being able to do it. It's aggravating, aggravating. And then, of course, obviously we'll keep an eye on what's going on in Montgomery and Hoover and as, as um, they play the Sunbelt Conference and SEC baseball tournaments or attempt to anyway. Um, We'll see. It's just kind of strange. Here we are Thursday of conference tournament week, and there are no games. And there were no games yesterday. And so, again, if you haven't heard, single elimination starting Friday. Tomorrow, Cajuns scheduled to play South Alabama at 4. If the Cajuns win, they'll play in a semifinal on Saturday evening at about 7. And if they win that, they would play in the finals on Sunday at 1. And, um... We'll see what happens. All right, let's take take let's go to the game hotline one more time before we take a break and get to some Astro baseball talk on the other side of the next timeout. Hello.
3: Hey, fuck. Howdy, Dude. sir. Oh, awesome! Another glorious moment. You see, I wasn't gonna call back because I was not trying to be nice to Martin because he's a Sox fan. Yeah. <laughs> I just, but you know, I wanted to call to clear the air. Look, foot. The man is calling for sympathy today. He tried to talk about me. Yes, he's calling for sympathy because his list team loss. So let me put it this way. Let me clear out down this. Yankees do not go getting people and paying people. We don't have to grow people because everybody wants to come play for us. We don't have to search for no one. Everybody want to put them pinstripe suits on. They want to play for a winner. So why grow somebody And when they want to come to us anyway? They're knocking down our doors. Look at the babe, the best baseball player ever. We didn't go after him and take him from the stockings. He decided to cross the street and said, hey, I want to be a winner. Can you make me great? And look, we made him great, the greatest player ever. Actually,
1: actually, the Red Sox were winning more than the Yankees in that era, and and and, the and champion, they right? traded, and they stupidly traded him to the Yankees he for money. He saw
3: the vision. He saw the vision of the future of the no, Yankees. No, he saw that organization no, was going down the no, drain. No,
1: no,
3: no. That's what he saw. He came call us. It was like when Draymond called <sighs> KD to go to the Warriors. So everybody want to play for us. We not we not growing crops because they want to come to us. Just like Gary Cole, just store it up, just store Winner.
1: up as many wins as you can, and and hope you stay healthy down the stretch.
3: Yes, and Astros don't own us. We own y'all. Twenty seven championships, twenty eight this year. Have a good one. Go okay. Yankees. <laughs> no,
1: no. You ain't winning at all this year. You can forget that. But uh, no, and you know the Yankees. They, they look. They're off to a great start. Start, no, no question about that. But got a few injuries concerns right now, and we'll. um, This cat Holmes has really helped them out. And again, I've picked the Yankees several times in recent years, and most of that is because of their bullpen. And right now, while they've got injuries in Chapman and Green, uh, their bullpen is still performing at a pretty high level. And even though it doesn't have the star-studded names that it necessarily has had in recent years, it's getting it done for the most part. And so, it is. Um, it you know it's early, but it's it incur. I can understand why Paul and other Yankee fans have been excited because you know they they they're doing a tremendous job in New York, man. Or they must be you know, with the Mets doing what they've done, but. The Mets have their own injury concerns right now. So it is um, going to be an interesting summer for those who have, in, the, in the New York area with the Mets and the Yankees playing the way, and it will be interesting to see how they can handle all the obstacles from here on out. I, I think the Mets are going to have a tougher time without Scherzer than some people are thinking, but we'll see. That's why they play the games. All right, we'll take a timeout. I know one thing, they're not having too much fun on this West Coast trip. Man, been hitting home runs like crazy in San Francisco. What in the world is going on over there? Better them than me. It's a beautiful park, but boy, I hate playing there. Hate it. Went there last year. Had a nice little series, but it was it's not fun playing. I don't like playing there, but it's a pretty park. Take a timeout, come back, shift gears, talking Astros with Patrick McClellan. Next on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
4: I know it's technically still spring, but summertime has arrived over at Coles. I shopped their Hello Summer Sale and got 40% off patio furniture, 50% off a few outdoor dining essentials, found a cute bikini top for under 20 bucks, and because I spent over $25, I got $10 off. Plus, I earned Kohl's cash. So if you want more style, more savings, and more sunshine, you know where to go. Select styles. Offers in May 30th. Some exclusions apply. See store at details.
0: How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge.
1: I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49
0: Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Uh, I want to remind you, if you would like to win $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, you know how to do it. Go to the website, become a member of the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And you might win a $50, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou where you could get mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection, all kind of tremendous size, and much, much more. Again, you become eligible by going to the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. So sign up today. All right. The best laid plans. Having trouble getting in touch with Patrick, and that's okay. We'll talk uh, Astros baseball nonetheless. And Astros, as I said, begin begin a three-game series tonight at Seattle. Then they will play three games in Oakland, who they haven't played yet. And then they will play three games at Kansas City. I don't know if you remember last year, but the Astros had a strange team. They won a lot of games. They went to the World Series but they had who was it the the royals were one of them the tigers were one of them and there was one other team that was the rockies maybe that was that did not have a good season they were like last place kind of teams and yet they won series and 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 or swept the astros and I remember when the Astros went to Kansas City last year, they had a rough go of it. Like, they hey, they really struggle. Now, the Royals have not gotten off to a good start. Their bullpen so far has not been as good as I thought it would be. They've had some issues there, and their hitting is nowhere near. Now, Ben having a good season. He's been over 300 just about all season, if not all season long. Wit Merrifield's kind of a punk to me. I, I'm not real high on Wit Merrifield, but but he's gotten off to a rough start. Obviously, Salvador Perez was not going to do what he did last year when he hit 48 home runs, but he got off as expect as which is not a huge surprise to a slow start. Bobby Witt Jr. got off to a slow start, but you could see the potential, and he's had some moments of late. So. Um, I'm anxious to see how the Astros play against Kansas City this year because last year they struggled with them they had a they had a rough time with their speed you know the um they play a little different brand of ball than most teams do the Royals and their and their speed gave them some trouble and uh they didn't have much success against the royals bullpen also that was something that could be a lot of fun in that series and it's a little bit too far down the road to know exactly how it's going to play out but you know who plays for them grinky dinky dong is is back in kansas city he got lit bad in his last outing gave him like seven runs or something like that but it's um but that 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 could be fun him you know playing against grinky for the first time in a while. And uh, after he was part of a couple deep Astro runs to the World Series and AOCs and all. So that got that to look for. As far as – I don't think it's – you know, the last time the Astros played the Mariners, it began – it was the first three games of what turned out to be an 11-game winning streak. Um, But, again, that was – on on Seattle, that was the third leg of a of a three city American road trip for Seattle. And so they that was perfect timing. I don't know if this is perfect timing to play Seattle. They got Kyle Lewis back a couple games ago. He hadn't played in over a year. Um he was a rookie of the year in the pandemic, you know, in twenty twenty. Um and some of their guys who got off the real bad, rough starts, are starting to hit Rodriguez is coming along. He's had a lot of nice games uh, since the Astros played them last. And I, I just – now the good thing is I think Robbie Ray pitched last night, if I saw that correctly, so they, they'll miss Robbie Ray, who's their best pitcher. And I hope they miss Gonzalez because he's been doing really well and really baffled the Astros the last time they played him. But, yeah, I think Seattle's, they've been losing. And I think they're ready to kind of play well. So I don't think it's nearly as good a time. But with all that said, Seattle has been more than a second home to the Astros over the years. And then they go to Oakland, and, and they've had a lot of rough moments against the A's in recent years in Oakland, no question and they've been a good team for a while this year. They got off to a good start For after kind of trading off their team. Uh, you know, I think most people are pretty convinced they're going to finish last in the division, but, you know, it still will be uh, interesting to see how the Astros do uh, at Oakland. You normally can pitch pretty well there. It's just how many runs can you score, and then, you, you know, you still got guys who are kind of Astro killers and longtime Astro antagonizers like Loreanu in center field, um, Elvis Andrus, who you know you just hate, hate. I still hate. Still get flashbacks to Elvis Andrus days. So I hate facing him even now that even now that he's on the downside of of his career. And then you've got ex Astros on that team like Jed Lowry and Tony Gimp. And Jed Lowry has actually had some moments this year. Can you believe Jed Lowry is still playing? I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. And he's still playing at a decent level. And so a lot of familiarity with the A's and players that you hate and players that you actually kind of like when they were on your team, but now they play for the A's. So that'll be an interesting series, but it all gets going tomorrow night. At Seattle. But I tell you what, then when they come after this trip, they play Seattle again. And after that, they ain't going to have many games with Seattle. They've already played them at least four times. That's gonna be after that. There's gonna, that'll, that'll be 12 games, I think, against them. They only have like one or two series left the whole rest of the season. So and they've got a lot left with the uh, with the A's because they hadn't played them yet until early next week. So all of that is good. Christian Javier last night pitched well. That's the second time in, what, the last two or three outings that he struck out nine batters. He had a couple really rough outings, and then he bounced back very well since then. Um, I really thought this was going to be a breakthrough season for Christian, and then I was starting to worry because he had a couple really rocky outings, but his last few outings have been good. Uh, They need him to pitch well. Because Oda he's going to be out for however long, month or two, whatever, however long, much longer he's going to be out. And then hopefully by, you know, in a, in another five or six weeks, McCullers could be back. I, I, my, my goal is just to have him back for the second half of the season. If he can come back after the All-Star break, that would be tremendous. And then, you know, that should give them just outstanding starting pitching. You know, I would think maybe not the best starting rotation, but, you know, certainly in the top three or four in baseball, I would think. Then at that point, you have to assess, do you really trust the bullpen? Last night, Hector Neris, who, again, I I, I I had some serious doubts about coming into this season. Um, He came in and chased home a run with a wild pitch last night. But other than that, he's pitched fine. And um, so I kind of trust him. I still don't trust Blake Taylor. I like Blake Taylor, but I don't trust him. Um, Ryan Stanek is having an outstanding season. I guess you can trust him. I mean, he, he still scares me because he seems like he's always behind in the count. He's always down 2-0. But he, when you throw in 100, you can get away with that sometime. Like yesterday, he came into a potentially scary situation after Narris had um, got it you know, to a lead. Um, I mean, to a one-run lead from a two-run lead to a one-run lead with the wild pitch, and then and then he he go, he falls down 2-0 on the batter, throws a fastball right down the middle, and he gets a line drive to center field, and fortunately it was right at uh, Dubon, who was actually playing center field last night, and he caught it. So, um, you know, Presley, you would think if he can stay healthy, will be fine as the closer he was last year. And you just have to hope that there's enough elsewhere in the bullpen. And Abreu can pitch a little more consistently. I think I, I think, even though I really like the bullpen, potentially, I think if they're going to make a trade, unless they make some crazy blockbuster trade like some have suggested for someone like Soto, I... I um, I think if they make just a kind of minor trade or what on the surface would be kind of a minor trade, I would think it would still be for another bullpen arm, kind of like they did last year, although I don't think it's as serious as it was last year. I don't. I think they could get away with the bullpen as they have it now, but you can never have enough bullpen arms. So it would not surprise me if they did make a, a move to the pin. Um. It, you know, but again, that's that's six weeks off, and we'll, we'll, well, it's two months away, but it's six weeks off till we really kind of start talking about what they're going to do with the trade deadline. But I, I, unless someone gets injured, which you hope is not the case, I, I would think that the best prospect for that would be a bullpen arm, and I like the idea. Of, I still like the idea of having a more seasoned lefty that can get lefty out guys, kind of dominate lefties. But with Maton, who's real good against lefties, and Neres is good against, you know, you have enough guys who are good against lefties because of how they throw their pitches that you probably can get away with it. But I still wouldn't mind them getting one of these lefties that just really extra good, you know, where their opponent's lefties hit like 110 against them or whatever. Just one of those real dominant type. Left-handers. That's what I I would I would kind of like for them to get if they're going to get one. But no, things are going well. We'll see what do du, what Dubon does. Uh, Limas Diaz had a great night defensively last night. Um, you know, he really did a great job on some slow rollers. The first base umpire. I don't know if you saw the Astro game last night, but the first base umpire he botched like. Three calls almost in a row. Boom, boom, boom. And it's like and in every call with the Astros away. It's nice when that happens. But the first two were not even close. I mean, he just blew them. He botched them both at first base, and they were not even close. And so when you saw, as soon as you saw the replay, you're like, well, you know, they were obviously safe. And then they overturned both of them. And then it happened with the with the guardians at bat. And that one was close. I mean, it was as close as a play can be. You could certainly see how he missed that one. And it was one of those calls where probably whichever thing that the umpire ruled, they were going to go that way because it was so close. There was nothing definitive one way or the other on it. So that was a a real bang-bang play that you could understand how he missed it. But the first two, I mean, it was When you watch now live, it's probably a whole lot harder, obviously a lot harder. When you watch the replay, it was like, this is not even a bang-bang play. It's not even close. On the replay, anyway. And so, oh, man. You don't often feel sorry for umpires, but last night, you kind of had to almost feel sorry for the umpire because he had an awful night, awful. All right. Let's do this. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Shift gears. Talk some uh, St. Thomas Moore. High School Cougars football. What offensive coordinator Shane Savoie, will do that next. On the game after this timeout, 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Listening to the game, one oh three seven Lafayette and one oh four one Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
2: Welcome
1: back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. One oh three seven live here one oh four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We have with us a special guest, Saint Thomas Moore Offensive Coordinator Shane Savoy. How are you, sir?
4: Doing great, man. Last day of finals today, so school's kind of wrapping up. I don't know if you remember that last day of school feeling, oh. uh, but I still get to I still get to have that every year.
1: I still call it senioritis, whether I'm on vacation, about to go on vacation from work. I can still remember that feeling your senior year when you just cannot wait till it ends, you know, and 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 move <laughs> on. So yeah, I, I still call it senioritis. It's um. It, uh, it is it is a special uh, moment for sure. So I had got you on because I wanted to kind of review. We we talked to some other coaches in the area the last couple days, kind of how the spring season went. Before we get to that summer, as we look forward to fall down here in football season, as always, how did it go overall?
4: It went well. I mean, really, just talking with Coach Hightower, just kind of assessing the the spring session. We were able to get all ten days in. Uh, We were able to get some great work in. Uh, Arguably, could be our best spring we've ever had as far as just a production standpoint. Uh, We just were able to, you come into spring and you have a lot of kind of question marks or just wondering how kids are going to turn out. And this spring, I feel like most of those question marks we had coming in, we feel like we're in a good place going into the summer. Uh, And that guys are kind of tracking where they should be at this point.
3: So, how different is
1: your opinion than it was, say, ten years ago, about whether it's worth it to play a spring game or not play a spring game?
4: I guess just a lot of it depends on your your situation and what you have. You know, with us, the blessing for us is our our large numbers, so we're not dependent on having to line up against someone else. Uh, But you got to weigh the 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 fun factor. It's just fun. It's fun to line up and play against somebody else in the spring. Um, and, and kids really enjoy it and you can kind of hype it up and make a big deal out of it. The negative side of it from a coaching standpoint is you can't control how many snaps people are going to get. It's, it's harder to control if weather's going to be an issue. Uh, then you got to work around two school schedules uh, at the end of a busy year. It's just there's a lot of things logistically that are more issues than, than you would have to deal with if you're just going to inter-squad. So I would say probably 10 years ago, it was a bigger deal for me to try to play someone else. Now, I, I guess I can recognize just being with Coach Hightower, the, the value of the work that you can get amongst yourselves uh, and how you can kind of control those things. And, and like I said, this spring, we got a lot of great work and, and only really one major injury. Actually, it ended up not being major. We thought it was going to be and it ended up being uh, something small, so that's one thing I guess. In spring, you really are focused on is trying not to get anybody
1: hurt seriously. So what? What is this? Two, three years? How, how, when was the last time y'all played a spring game?
4: Man, it's it has been a while. I would probably say it's closer to ten. Wow, uh, it's been
1: that long. I mean, long, okay. I, yeah,
4: yeah. I'm I'm trying to remember if, since I've been here, now I'm in year eighteen. We haven't played anyone in the spring uh, since I've been back. So you got to go all the way back to. I, I want to say you. they were playing Eunice. Back in the early two thousands, wow! For a spring game, wow! All
1: right, so tell me about uh, if you had to list before y'all did the spring practice, the very first spring practice. Um, tell me about like uh, what would be your two or three questions or biggest concerns or or holes, or however you want to classify it, and how did that kind of play out during spring? Well,
4: I'd say number one for us was just physicality. You know the 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 2020 COVID, where we really couldn't, it just changed the way everybody had to practice. And it changed the way you had to prepare. And we were lucky in that that 2020 season. We had a large group of returning starters. Uh, it wasn't like we had to reteach the game of football. Uh, so we were able to handle that COVID year pretty easily. Uh, but then a lot of those practice deals and, and standards that were set with that group, flowed into the next year and, and I think it kind of held us back a little as far as just the physicality the physical part of the game of football and spring the first thing we wanted to do was to make sure uh, we we reintroduced the physicality of football now we're not trying to kill anybody but just the game is physical you're going to have to hit somebody you're going to get hit at some point uh, and just making sure our kids were able to get out there and do that and and with a large number of players returning on both both lines offense and defensive line uh, i think they kind of set the standard uh, for how spring was going to go and it was really productive from that standpoint
1: Uh, so so is it with that mention is it easier in spring and like early august uh camp once you get into that is it easier to have like your, your lines back in experience are like skill positions back with experience in terms of the progress of progressing and having productive practices.
4: I would think it would change more your approach of how the, the practices were going to go. So, like, each one has their benefits. It's hard to say one would be easier than the other. Uh, it just kind of changes how you're going to, to approach those spring practices, but not having to spend a lot of time reteaching schemes and being able to jump right into the physical part of the game, you know, not so much worried about who you're going to block, but focusing on how you're going to block them makes, to me, it just makes everything a lot more productive because you get to start at a at – a, get to go at a quicker pace. And, yes, it's a lot easier for a skill guy to jump in and, and kind of hit the ground running. Uh, but for those linemen, um, they, they got to have a little base behind them before they can really get down to the business.
1: Again we're speaking with St. Thomas Moore offensive coordinator Shane Salva. So last year obviously y'all had an injury at the quarterback position that was well publicized and y'all you I remember you m- commenting at the time how y- you don't want to go through that but it could help you for next year. So how does the quarterback situation look going into coming out of the spring going into the fall?
4: Really please. You know uh, Sam Altman, Will Taylor The experience they got in those four games in the fall were just, I don't know if you can even come close to measuring uh, just the intrinsic motivation that takes place as a sophomore when all of a sudden it's your position and the whole team's counting on you. You tend to find a whole new level of care. Uh, And those kids did that. And and we're going to benefit as a team because of how much they excelled just during the season. Uh, Then now into the spring, like I said, those question marks coming into spring are, will these certain things be where we feel like they should be progression-wise? And coming out of spring, I feel like our QB position is, is where I would hope it would be coming out of the season. And I would say maybe even a little bit further along. Really was impressed with how both men were able to develop through spring. Sam was with us all 10 days. Will, who's a star pitcher for us, was able to join us on the second week. Uh, So they both got significant reps throughout the spring. And then obviously the summer is going to be a big part of their development as well. But, uh, I mean, are they Walker Howard? No, but that's a lot of kids in the country that aren't Walker Howard. But I do think both of those guys will be quality high school quarterbacks for sure.
1: Well, we can certainly agree on the fact that comparing any quarterback that you're probably ever going to see again or or work with to Walker Howard is probably not the best the best way to go about evaluating guys so is it fair to say or not or would it be premature to say that you would be utilizing the running game a little more than this fall than most of the last couple years or how do you see that
4: yeah and that's just more of you know just an evaluation as a staff when you when you have a five-star the number one quarterback in the country we're going to put the game in that kid's hands you know so a lot of the, a lot of what we were the last couple of years, and then even back into Caleb Holstein years, was we 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 knew we had a guy behind center. Let's put the pressure on that guy to to make it right for everybody else. And and I think that kind of skewed a lot of who we are heading into this next season. Arguably, Charlie Payton and Hutch uh Jean Luc St Pierre. Like, our, our backfield is loaded. You got two guys that are, multi I mean, I want to say 500-plus yard runners. Both of them were right around 200 yards rushing against Liberty Magnet last year. Uh, maybe our best two football players on the team. Um, we're going to get them involved. And, you know, so the running game will probably be more a part of what we're doing. But a lot of it's just going to depend on the development of everything around us and what we're able to do. But this spring, we took a big step, I think, in our running game and our ability to run the football offensively.
1: How exciting is it? I mean, I know. I want you know. There's probably some people that wish it wasn't quite that way. You know, two years ago, Karen Crow won a state championship. This past year, Westgate won a state championship. Y'all have competed and played in numerous finals in recent years. Well, we won one two years ago with Karen Crow. Yeah, and so district, huh? I mean, it's just it's got to be exciting, or or is it kind of? uh, I don't know that frustrating. I mean, I guess some people say, man, our district's sub. But to me, it's exciting in this era of high school football to have that kind of district.
4: Yeah, I think it's a a blessing. And we tell our kids quite often throughout the season, like it is a blessing that the opponent across the field is a quality opponent because a lot of high school kids will never play in games of this magnitude in their career, and you're getting to do it tonight. Uh, And I think the beauty of that district is, yeah, it's going to prepare you for for, you know, when you get into playoffs. Um, it's going to have your kids focused all off season because they know what's the task that's ahead of them. Uh, but then also on those game nights, it's just great to see the stands full, the excitement around the state, the excitement in the area uh, for those high school boys to go out there and, and do something that they love, which is play the game of football.
1: And you're adding a program now that's also played in quite a few state championship games in LCA. How, how do you how do you see that playing out? I mean, that's going to be a whole different kind of atmosphere, I would think, because of the yeah, uniqueness actually, of it.
4: I was joking with Trev. I saw Trev this week, and uh, everybody's talking about us and them. We play in week 10, and both of our schedules are filled with, with state championship teams on it. Uh, so, like, it's a little premature to talk about just LCA, but that's the quality program that they've produced in the last seven years, five years, uh, and to join the district. Which has produced those kind of programs? I think it's just exciting for our area. I mean, I really, I often try to champion the Acadiana area um, in our state. Like this, there's some really good football in this area in all classes. There's some amazing coaches. There's some amazing players, and and you're starting to see more eyes are getting focused in on the Acadiana area because people are starting to figure that out statewide and nationwide.
1: Now, what does the pre-district uh, schedule look like?
4: So our pre-district schedule, we're going to have another tough one to go. We're going to start the year off with Como. So Como, we're, we're heading over there. and Then then we're going to follow up with Alexandria Senior High, whom we played last year. Uh, then we have Brother Martin, Catholic High of Baton Rouge, and Denham Springs. Denham Springs returns one of the top quarterbacks in the, uh, in the country. Uh, and then we get into district after that. So schedule-wise, it's just as tough, if not tougher, than what we've been doing in the past. But, again, Creating those opportunities for those kids to have those experiences, I just think it's amazing and and then also for the fans, I just think it's awesome. Jim's always been a proponent of that it, there's to receive the entertainment dollar for people to want to come out and see you play. you got to play games of magnitude where people are interested in coming and see it,
1: yeah, I've said for years, and that's why one of the main reasons why i'm I'm glad that l c a made the move to four a because Fifty to nothing games are not fun, really, for either side. And 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 I know people say, "Oh, easy win," but it's it's just more fun when you play a competitive game and have that atmosphere. And yeah, it's going to be fun every time somebody plays in y'all district this year.
4: Exactly, it's going to be exciting games when you have Westgate, Turlings, uh, LCA, North Vermillions in there now. Us Northside. Uh, It's going to be five weeks of a lot of fun in our district.
1: All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate you uh, your time and filling us in a little bit on how things are going, and uh, enjoy the summer, and uh, have a good one. Well, thanks
4: so much. Thanks for all you all do for high school, high school football.
1: All right. St. Thomas Moore offensive coordinator, Shane Salvois. And, again, you'll be able to hear all of St. Thomas Moore's games, exciting games all season long, uh, with Danny Jones and company right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show. On this Thursday, next on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Major League Baseball is back, and it's time for a tradition like none other. Old-school baseball guys arguing with the analytical crowd on why RBI should still be relevant. Show us that million-dollar arm, because I got to... Oh, I got a good idea about that five-cent head of yours. No, but seriously, what the heck is war?
3: Yeah!
0: What? Who comes up with this stuff?
2: You're killing me, Smalls.
0: Now, back to more baseball talk. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette 104, one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you if you would like to win a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. You can get some mozzarella sticks, barbecue pork sandwich, whatever you'd like from Mabel's Kitchen. This is what you need to do. Go to the game clubhouse today. It's free. It's easy to sign up. So do it today, and you might win a $25 gift certificate from Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. So do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All righty. Well, that was – we had lots of fun today, and we're looking forward to at least – well – We won't actually be able to discuss much college baseball until Monday, and it'll all be over with. So from a sports talk radio standpoint, it's been kind of a frustrating kind of a dud conference baseball tournament week because there's been so few games played, and then they're going to all be played on Friday and Saturday and hopefully Sunday, depending on how much success the Cajuns can have that – you know, we'll just kind of be reviewing on Monday. And that's okay because it'll be shortly after we get off the air on Monday Um, that, you know, we'll find out the regional. And then, you know, we'll have regionals to be previewing and discussing the following week. So that's just the way it goes. Weather is weather. All right. Appreciate all the phone calls. Appreciate Coach Savard coming on
3: uh, very much. And y'all have a nice day.